You're listening to Strictly Business Podcast with Lindsay Williams. It's Wednesday, so it's time for Wayne on Wednesday. And Wayne McCurry is a portfolio manager at FNB Wealth and Investment. Thursday, Friday, Monday, now and Tuesday a little bit, I think, Wayne, showed us that the markets are in a state of flux. What do you make of the last few days' action? Yeah, well, look, this is all Donald Trump and America and Federal Reserve and politics and fighting. And yes, that, that's exactly what it is, you know. Donald Trump seems hell-bent on these trade wars with China. And, I mean, we've got to actually be realistic about this. This is politics. This is his view of what is necessary to get re-elected next year. Yes. And, you know, I've been thinking long and hard about it. And it's easy to make fun of Donald Trump. I mean, he just lends himself to make fun of. Yes. And you know, is he doing the right thing by pursuing these trade wars? Is America somehow subsidizing the rest of the world, whether it's Europe or China or anyone else, Mexico, Canada, you know, pick the country. I don't think so. But, you know, who actually knows? I mean, quite frankly, who actually knows whether America has been taken advantage of by all of these trade wars? And is it a fight worth fighting? To be honest, I actually don't know the answer. I would just think if somehow America was being taken advantage of, they wouldn't be the biggest economy in the world and the richest country in the world if this was the case, if this has been going on for decades and decades and decades. So I just think this is politics, but it's causing chaos. Now, when when we come back to any politician, and Donald Trump, is a politician first and foremost. I would go against that statement, actually, but then I mustn't keep on with my Trump bashing. But you say he's a politician yeah. because he's the president. Well, he wants to be re-elected. Yeah. Okay. He wants to be re-elected. Yeah. I mean, that's his ultimate goal is to serve two terms as the pre- as the president. He wants to be re-elected. And as any politician, you want to do things that will be perceived as popular, you know, as, as boosting your, your support base. Now... I see that the markets are down overseas, another full percent, our market's down. So you can squarely put this all on the markets on ease now. Let's call it resumption of the trade wars and all of these additional tariffs. So the markets are down, call it 5%. Now, 5% in the bigger scheme of things, quite frankly, is nothing. It doesn't feel like it at the time, but it is nothing. But if this continues and it becomes some sort of rot, It'll be squarely on his shoulders. Yes. Of course, he will deny it. He'll say it's the Federal Reserve's fault and it's everyone else's fault. Uh-huh. But the market, the general population will say, well, yeah, it just happens to coincide exactly to the day, to the hour, to the minute when you impose the new sanctions against the advice of your own trade negotiator. And I don't think any politician wants that. You know, some damage to the economy that can, no matter how you dress it up, that can be directly attributable to an action taken by you. So I still think, I hope, I pray, maybe I'm being overly optimistic, maybe I'm being unrealistic or naive, but I still don't think this is going to carry on like this. I think some sort of deal will be struck because I think this will be 
if we get a full rot, 10%, 15% down, if the economy slips, if, you know, trade data, if oil carries on falling, you know, oil's fallen or bent down three or four odd percent today, and that's at 56, 57 dollars. Yes. You know, a significant amount of his supporters come from oil producing states. You know, if that price falls, then U.S. Uh, U.S. shale gas shuts down because they don't make money at, call it below $55 a barrel. They just don't make money there. That I still think, even though it seems contradictory, that common sense will prevail. Now, common sense and Donald Trump aren't, aren't necessarily the, 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 the most logical definition no. of what Donald Trump could get up to. Well, it's actually, but, I think the English word for it is oxymoron. If you put mm, uh, common sense and Donald Trump in the same sentence, in that, the is, same that, sentence that, is an, that is an oxymoron. Let's have a look at some of the South African stories today, if we can, Wayne, yes. because I've just written it all down here. Pepcor, Blue Label, they came out with a, a Celsi update and yeah. a renewal of cautionary. Sadvest, Italtile, Glencore, Distel, Impact. What about Glencore? That came out this morning. Yes. What do you make of Glencore? Because what's happened is I think the the diversified mining companies haven't done so well recently, but the single stock miners or the single commodity have done miners very well, yeah. have done very well indeed. Look, the single commodity miners, it's a little bit of unusual circumstances there, specifically iron ore. I mean, iron ore hit 120, now it's back to about 80-odd, 85-odd. So that's come off a little bit. This The, the platinum was also fairly unique set of circumstances that caused the palladium price to run, but the coal ones haven't done well at all. I mean, that seems to be a structural thing, this decline in the demand for coal. But to come back to Glencore's results, when I first read them this morning, I was actually quite shocked. They actually looked extremely poor to me. Very bad indeed. Yeah, but the market didn't seem to think it was quite as bad as what I thought it was going to be. So, I mean, the share is down, but it's not down nearly as much as what I thought. I thought it would be down 10%. It's down about 2% or 3%. I thought it would be way bad. Look, Glencore is a funny animal, and we've also learned now through bitter experience, the moment someone starts a probe into what you're doing and there's some authorities looking at what you're doing, and, of course, they have quite a few authorities looking at their businesses for playing bribes in Africa and manipulating the the, the 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 trading market. No matter how cheap it looks, and it does look cheaper, yes. I think you just steer clear of this one. I mean, just to come down, come back to their specific results, uh, there they had quite a few problems with a couple of their operations there, their copper operations, the ramp up of the copper operations, the cobalt operation. You know, there's quite a few write-offs happening there. Doesn't look that good. And you know, even though they and of course with company financial statements now, to get five different earnings per share number is not unusual. Now you've got to dig through all of these things to see what the underlying is. But the actual headline number, I mean, because of these write-offs. Profits disappeared. Now, you know, now, a write-off's a write-off. If you incurred that doing business, there's nothing abnormal about it or unusual. If you've got to impair an asset by a couple of hundred million dollars, it's an expense to your company. It's, it's, it's value that is no longer there. But, of course, everyone takes that number conveniently out of their earnings. So, you know, when you look at the core underlying earnings, excluding, 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 a myriad of things. It doesn't look all that bad, I suppose. But I mean, the other the other mining companies are shooting the lights out in respect of their earnings. 
So yeah, I was I, I thought those were quite poor numbers out of Glencore. But personally I've never never liked Glencore. I've never owned a Glencore share ever. It's quite a complicated company. That's that's the over, mm. overwhelming impression that I have of Glencore. Started by a South African person. Uh, but it just seems to have so many different moving parts and doesn't always seem to be of the calibre of something like Anglo-American PLC, if you see what I mean. Yeah, but I mean, Anglo-American almost went bankrupt in 2015. Eh? So these are, these, are, these are risky companies. Mm. I mean, their whole adventure and massively overpaying for assets 10 years ago, eight years ago. I mean, they literally almost went bankrupt. Remember, they cut their dividends. So, you know, to, very similar to what we were speaking about, the oxymoron with Donald Trump. Uh, calling a commodity company a quality company is also a little bit of an oxymoron because these things are heavily cyclical. But certainly, in 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 my opinion, it is of lower quality in comparison to other commodity companies. Yes. Perhaps. Let's have a look at uh, Blue Label now because I've never understood this transaction yeah. between themselves and Celsius. I've it never understood here, that. Never understood it either, Wayne. It says here, Blue Label shareholders are advised that Celsius Limited and MTN South Africa have concluded a detailed term sheet regarding a national roaming agreement. This agreement yes. will result in substantial cost savings for Celsius by reducing network and capex spend through an extensive roaming arrangement. This agreement is mutually beneficial to both parties, it says. Well, that's a slightly presumptuous, but anyway. And the, yeah. the parties are now negotiating, uh, negotiating a long-form agreement that will detail the principles set out in exactly the term Exactly what sheet. it is, yeah. What does it mean? I mean, okay, can, let me just can you quickly, put that in English for me, please? Yeah, a li- little bit. I can, do, I can actually, actually know a fair bit about this. Okay, um, let's just take one step back and talk about Telcom and Salsi. Telcom and Salsi, they, they, um, Telcom's mobile operations and Salsi are in deep, deep trouble. They cannot afford the capital expenditure to get a proper network coverage to compare with MTN and Vodafone. Right. So they just no one's got that kind of money other than the two big guys. So what they had to do was they had to go to a roaming agreement. So Telcom's with Vodacom, Salsi is with MTN, so that outside of the main metro areas where they have got half decent coverage, they can get full coverage. Because no one was buying a Salsi contract because the moment you stepped outside of any sort of built up area, you just lost the signal. Mm-hmm. And you had to pay massive, and and you had to pay massive costs to go on other networks. So what they, what both of them did was, they went to the networks, uh, the Vodacom and MTN, and said, "Let me buy capacity from you. Right. I want to pay you a fixed amount to buy capacity." And that's what they did. And Salsi's business rationale behind this is, we buying, we pay a fixed amount for the of your network. So let's say I think they bought 15% of the network of the capacity and they were only using eight. So they said we can go from eight to 15 and not cost ourselves another cent in what we're paying. So therefore we can undercut everyone else and sell a lot of contracts. Their second business rationale was all of these virtual network operators like like FNB, where you don't own a network, you don't own anything, but you you actually you actually give out cell phones and that uh, they will come to us because we can give them the best price possible. So this was so the whole idea behind Salsi's rationale was to use up this capacity that they're getting essentially for free because they're paying for it already. Now, what's happened now is clearly, as we know from that open letter given by Salsi a week or three or four ago, 
Celsius is completely and utterly on its knees and on the actual cusp of bankruptcy. Yes. So we know that. And we see they've got a new CEO, their chief executive there, who was the standing guy. So what has obviously happened today with this MTN thing is, is they went to MTN and said, guys, we're going bankrupt. So either you drop the price or we're just going to fold and go bankrupt. And that's what's happened now is that they're going to still get this bulk roaming agreement with MTN at a significantly reduced price. What you're saying is so, we leave Blue Label alone completely. Correct. That's, that's, the, that's the tone of your commentary. Yes. I mean, the share's up 5%, but it's down, sure, what's it down by? 80% since its peak? 90% since its peak? Mm. I can't remember, but it's been, it's been sells, uh, Blue Label has been clobbered significantly. And, you know, you come back and you sit at this and you look and you – and not just blue label, anyone, telecom, cell C, the original cell C backers, and the new banks entering the South African environment, why would you want to enter a marketplace that is already saturated with dominant, incredibly strong competition in an economy that's doing nothing I mean, why, in your wildest dreams, why would you want to do this? I mean, it makes no sense to me. You know, 30, no, not 30, 20 years ago, the cells, anyone could enter, anyone could enter the mobile phone market and make money because it was growing 15, 20% each year. But you, why would you want to enter in a market where everyone's got 1.3 cell phones? The thing is totally dominated. Um, government is putting the whole industry under intense pressure. Well, it's not just pressure. The reality is your rates are coming down every single year because the government wants to give cheap data and cheap voice, uh, voice calls to the population. There's nothing wrong with that. But you're entering into an intensely competitive market with shrinking margins and no physical growth in the number of, in the number of subscribers. Yes. Why would you want to even think about entering that market? I mean, it, it's just not logical. Now, the big players, Vodacom and MTN, decided SA is X growth, let's go somewhere else. And we know what happened to MTN in Nigeria. Yes. But at least they tried to do the right thing by going to another economy that's not saturated, that's at least got growth potential. Okay, it didn't work. But, you know, so I mean, I, I don't get it. That's why I don't get all these new banks starting up in South Africa. You're in an overtraded market with intense competitors where everyone's essentially banked already. Anyone who's got a salary is banked already. And you're relying desperately on the actually the economy growing, which, I mean, it might get better, but it's not going to go to 5% growth in the foreseeable future. And you're only competitive. I think so as well. Your only competitive advantage, your only competitive advantage is a race to the bottom on fees where you, the only way you can get a client is to charge them less than the other guys. Mm. I mean, is that actually a, a successful business model? I don't get it. Does Discovery really anyway. need a bank? I mean, I understand that there'll be cross-selling between all their products and people, you, you'll say, well, you'll get this better deal because you're a Discovery insurance customer or yeah. a, Dis a Discovery wealth customer and therefore you'll yeah. get this be a better banking deal. But I just don't, I don't understand. It's I like, don't like, get it. Like, like people that 
that start up an airline when, when yeah. history tells us that airlines are bad work. you have to buy the land around an airport because the price goes up the price of the land goes up but you don't buy an airline and people continue yeah. to look, buy look, airlines and think they can change the world look discovery dis yeah discovery has got one major advantage in comparison to the other guys starting up they have a very loyal customer base and they can maybe sell more product because that's 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 essentially their SA business model. Mm. It's just people love us. I mean, you you want to cause chaos and mayhem is if you go home and you tell your wife, listen, I'm sorry, we're swapping out of from you, we or your children, we're swapping from Discovery to some other medical aid. You want to have fun and games. So Discovery is loved by their clients. Mm. So they can maybe cross-sell. But really, let me tell you, it really. costs you an absolute fortune, yes. a fortune to establish a bank. Eh? Yeah, anyway, yeah. Anyway, let's go, the, to, let's go to Pepco now. You haven't yeah. read Pepco, but let's have a look no. at this very, very quickly. Pepco increased revenue by 8.5% to $53.1 for the nine months ended 30th of June. And it says the following. Performance was supported by a stronger third quarter, which saw revenue grow by 11.7%, largely benefiting from the shift of Easter to April. Yeah. Uh, so what they're saying is because of a calendar issue, they've done better. Which, which tells me you should, yeah. you, you should sell the thing. Trading, however, it goes on to say, remains volatile in an environment of continued pressure on consumer spending. In yeah. other words, so Easter went to April, consumer spending yeah. is still under pressure, so the share price has gone up. But I, I, think, this is, I think this is a red look, flag. No, look, I look, look, this whole April and 53 weeks versus 52 weeks here, April in this quarter when the six months compared to last year, it was in the previous six months, drives me insane as well. Mm. But this is not a bad business. Eh? This is not a bad business. And everyone in the South African economy is suffering, et cetera, et cetera. But this is not a bad business. I, I'm, not, I'm not negative on... on, 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 on do you, do you own Pepco? No, actually, no. No, we actually don't. Okay. But I'm, I'm, not, I'm not negative. I'm not negative on Pepco. You know, this is a good, solid business. It's unfortunately tainted by the whole Steinhoff story, mm. but it's you know the the whole. It's actually it's actually quite a good business. It says here, Pepco's defensive market position and strategy of providing customers with value at affordable prices continues to resonate with customers, as demonstrated through continued market share growth. What I say about that comment is that they sell cheap stuff to people. That yes, cheap stuff. Yeah. Cheap stuff, yeah. This will yes. continue, which is absolutely right in this current environment. This will continue to support performance in challenging operating conditions where sales volatility is expected to continue as customers have to contend with high levels of unemployment and increased cost of living in what remains to be an extremely challenging retail environment. Again, I can sum that paragraph up in just three or four words. We sell cheap stuff because you can afford yeah. it. Simple as that. Yes. And that's, and that's a good business model in the current South African environment. Exactly. What do you make of the markets, Wayne? The slight consolidation since the Thursday, Friday, Monday sell-off. Do you think? No. Look, the market. Do you think it's going to continue? What do you think the sell-off? No, look, I mean, the overseas markets are not so bad now, but I mean, the S and P started off two percent down, eh? Mm. So now it's only about what half a percent, point six percent down, or something like that. But look, there's a whole accumulation of events happening. 
Let's put Donald Trump aside for the moment. Please. The world economic growth rate has been, the growth rate has been slowing down now consistently for, call it, a year. Right. The long bonds are collapsing. I mean, the U.S. 10-year long bond after almost touching three is now trading at 1.7. It's not an indicator of recession, an imminent recession in the U.S., which a lot of people are calling for, and I think they've got it wrong, but it is clearly an indicator of slowing economic growth. Now, certainly in America, one of the sober institutions still there is the Federal Reserve Bank. This is still a sober institution. They cut interest rates not because they wanted to cut interest rates. They cut interest rates because the U.S. economy is slowing down and their view on interest rates changed in mid-December last year. They've only cut now, but their view on the direction of interest rates up until December was just up, up, up. And since then, it's been down, 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 and they actually cut rates. And they will probably cut rates again, despite the verbiage that they gave after their last meeting, saying it's just a mid-cycle um, adjustment. It's, you know, it's not the start of a new down cycle, et cetera, et cetera. Then, in this deteriorating global environment, you throw a Trump in the, in the, in, in the mix with trade wars, and all of this, I mean, I don't think that the world is on the brink of a recession. But the outlook, and I've had this view for a long time, the outlook looking forward is not nearly as rosy as looking back. And you never know when you upset sentiment and you cause strife. It might not have that marked an effect on the economy, but it can have a very marked effect on the stock market. Wayne, just as we leave this, the gold price is up 30 dollars per ounce yes. to 1503 dollars per ounce can you believe this this is a massive massive move this is a fear gauge something is going on yes, correct. We'll, we'll speak yes. about it in the next few days i hope wayne mccurry is a portfolio manager at fnb wealth and investment and that was wayne on wednesday that podcast was proudly brought to you in association with sharenet.co.za visit strictlybusinesspodcast.com and subscribe to receive exclusive content straight to your inbox